God is Pastor Rick. Glad you're with us on demand. I am a big fan of on demand because the word of God is in your hand. You can get it when you want to. Today's study takes you on a journey about willful blindness. It's been a study we've been in for a minute. And in this study, the goal is to show you that sometimes people can choose not to see because they don't want to see. They just choose to ignore it. It's a legal term, by the way. You know, in court, they say you, you had the right to know and you could have known, but you chose to close your eyes to what was in that bag you were carrying. You should have asked what was in that bag and then you would not have lost and got in trouble. So willful blindness is a term that we are very familiar with in our society. And I want you to ask you today if you are willfully blind. And if so, what if you refuse to see? Well, if you ever refuse to see, there is a price tag for that. And that's what this sermon's about. The price tag for not seeing. I want to tell you what, my friend, this will help you, lift you, and give you some practical things to look for and to avoid in your life. So stay right there. It's going to be good. I'll be back to pray for you at the end, so stay there. Welcome back. This is Pastor Rick. I want you to join me today in our study on the other side of Easter. I want to share with you part three in our study. This is a, a, a sermon designed to explain to you the price tag for being a person who's willfully blind. And willful blindness is something that is described in legal terms, and I've been saying this just about every week, that says you could have known, but you chose to be blind. That's why it's called willful blindness. And the first two parts of the sermon, we, talk about, we talked about refusing to see, part one and two, and we talked about from the time Christ, uh, before he was crucified, once he was crucified, uh, on Easter Sunday last week, we talked about that. But now I want to show you the price tag for that. Galatians chapter six, verse one says this. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He says, I am absolutely stunned that you have taken on this mindset and you know better. It's, it's obvious that there are things that they could have known but chose not to know. And so he's going to say, here's the price tag for that. The first thing that's going to happen is you're going to desert and you're going to turn. And he says that in the text. Listen again. I'm, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting, deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel. That is the price tag for not seeing. If you refuse to see, eventually you will do those two things, desert and turn. And it's so easy in our lives to see that. Whenever I get away from certain disciplines in my life, I will desert eating right and I will turn from good habits to bad habits. Desert and turn. Are you in your life deserting what you know to be true and turning in ways? Are you becoming what you were not designed to be? It's so easy for that to happen in your life. It's so easy for you to lose track. I fight it every day. I am aware every day that I can easily be turned and end up deserting what I know to be true and end up pretending it's okay. Now, if I'm honest, I can see it. It's obvious. But if I'm choosing to be willfully blind, I'll ignore it. Are you what you should be? Are you doing what you should do? Are you where you should be? Are you in the wrong place? Have you deserted something that you fundamentally believe to be true and have turned to behaviors that are inconsistent with what you believe? The second thing he says in verse seven, as he continues here, Paul says it becomes confusing and perverting. Listen to what he says. He says, which is really no gospel. Let me read it in context because you don't get lost. Go back to verse. Uh, let's go back to verse one, guys. I'm astonished that you're so quickly turning. 
uh, quickly deserting rather, the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really not, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, I'm going to stop there for a minute. This is important because he says, what happens when you operate in willful blindness? What happens when you get away from what you know to be true is you start, number one, deserting and turning. Number two, you start being confused. And then thirdly, you become perverted. So I call it confusing and perverting or perverted. Things just get out of whack. So what's changed? And Paul's trying to describe to them, he says, okay, you guys have been listening to somebody and they have got you to desert what you believe, they've got you to turn away from what you believe, that you're so blind now that you're now beginning to be confused. You're sitting there trying to figure it out, always confused. Your mind's in a tailspin all the time. And if you're not careful, you start to pervert, try to take what God says and twist it so that you feel justified in your state. You, you're, you're, not, you're not paying attention. But he makes this tremendous statement in verse 8. This is so important. Listen to what he says. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Let them be rejected, basically. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse or rejected. Verse 10, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would never be a servant of Christ. Now, here's, what, here's the bottom line of that. When I get turned, perverted, when I start getting confused and I start turning away from God and I start deserting what I believe, generally people are at the core of that. Somebody is influencing my life. Somebody is making me feel justified in my turn. Now, I'm not trying to put anybody down in your life. They can be good people, but you have to ask yourself, why am I doing this with you and I never did it before? Why am I making decisions that I never made before? Why am I in this place? Has someone come into your life? And this was one of the most powerful things about the book of Galatians. He talks about who has bewitched you later on in, in, in the book. Who has convinced you? How is it that you got to this place? Being honest with myself is really important because my honesty affects what I reap and my ability to deconstruct things. And I'll say what those mean in a minute. If I'm not honest with myself, if I can't say, Temple, you're being willfully blind, you're ignoring what you have changed, you're ignoring how you've changed, you're ignoring all of that, and now if you keep ignoring it, if you keep walking in willful blindness, you will end up reaping something. And you won't deconstruct the things that need to be deconstructed. And I'll talk about that in just a second, but let me just talk about the reaping part for a minute. I think uh, the statement made in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Paul tries to bring home a simple principle. Listen to what it says. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to his flesh, their, of their flesh, uh, from the flesh will reap destruction. There it is. Whoever sows to the Spirit or from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So I want you to see two words in the text that are important. One is reaping and the other one is deconstructing. So if you are a person who walks in the flesh, what's going to happen is you're going to reap what you sow 
and your life will be deconstructed. Destruction. It's going to be pulled apart. Every now and then in life, you have to look at your life and say, what in the world destroyed me? What has taken my life and pulled it apart? Now, one author calls this process deconstruction. I thought it was a fascinating way to look at it. And deconstruction is basically the taking apart or examining something in order to reveal the basis or composition, often with the intention of exposing biased flaws or inconsistencies. It's interesting that when you deconstruct something, it's interesting when you pull it apart and you look at it and you go, okay, this was destroyed. Now, let me look at the pieces of that. So I, I ended up in this place in my life where I, I never planned to be. And I, the Bible said, if I reach, sow this, I'll reap that. And so my life in some areas was destroyed. Maybe a marriage, maybe, a, maybe your health, maybe whatever. What you want to do is when you go through that, you want to go back and do what they call a biopsy, right? Or, 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 or um, what do you, when, you, when you die, an autopsy, yeah. You go back and you say, let me, look at, let, me, let me go back and deconstruct. Let me go back and look at the pieces of what happened. And what, what do I learn? And let me look at the flaws, the mistakes, the errors, the judgments. Those things help you. They help you back your life up a bit and find out where you were willfully ignoring early warning signs. You were being willfully blind and, and refused to look. Have you ever been there, Pastor Ricky Temple? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm learning things now in all kinds of ways. I'm learning, praying, asking God to help me look at my life, the areas that are challenging, the areas that are easy, and deconstruct, pull apart, analyze, and see. Because what I don't want to do is sow to the flesh and see it all destroyed. I want to be clear about that. If you sow to the flesh, she says you'll reap destruction. And, and one author described that as a destruction. He talked about the importance of having a, a clear picture of the second word, how it's called uh, deconstruction, where I take my life and I look at it and I say, okay, I have to pause and have a hard moment with myself to deconstruct what was destroyed. Look at what happened and tell myself the truth. That can be hard. That's a hard thing to do sometimes because you don't want to believe that about yourself. You don't want to think that you just lost your way. You don't want to think that at all. You don't want to think that you were the person who made decisions, who sowed seed, who, who turned left instead of right. And that decision, that single decision changed everything for me. And because I did not confront this early, I allowed it to fester and grow. And there are moments when you do that, it becomes painful. I close with three thoughts from this book of Galatians that I think can help bring us to a close here. There are the tra I call it the tragedy of being blind and listening to bad influences. There are three things that the text has taught us so far. Number one, the Galatians were following some bad influences that drowned them in legalism. The people he's writing to had been listening to the wrong voices and they drowned them in, in all kinds of legalistic thoughts and attitudes that were not helpful. Secondly, the Galatians were following the religious people that denied them their freedom. 
They were telling them you had to be like, you know, you had to worship this way. You had to, you had to offer sacrifices for your forgiveness of your sins. They were told all kind of things, and this took away their freedom. I want, one thing I really don't want to do is use religion, use the word, use the Bible to rob people of freedom. So that when you join my church or when you become a part of our family, you don't get to be who you are anymore. You know, it's so amazing. In the effort to help people grow, we enslave them if you're not careful. That's not what religion should be. That's not what serving God should be. Thirdly, the Galatians were, were feeling depleted, defeated, and dissatisfied. When you read the book, those are three things you see. A bunch of defeated people who are, who are, who are defeated, depleted, and they're also dissatisfied. There's a guy named um, B.J. Fogg who said something that was pretty profound. He said, we are not the problem oftentimes. Our approach to change is. It's a, it's a design flaw, not a personal flaw. In order to design successful habits and change your behavior, you should do three things. I want to stop there for a second. It's so easy for you to hear this sermon and say, okay, your bottom line, Pastor Rick, is there something wrong with me? Your bottom line, Pastor Rick, is that maybe I have just sold the wrong things. I need to sit back and deconstruct and look at my life and say, okay, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. And sometimes in sermons, that's what people get out of it. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. And so you spend your life going to a church or going to a place and hearing messages that just step on your feet. Everything is about what's wrong with you. And, and that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't be willfully blind. Look at the truth. But here's what else he says, which I thought was profound. He said, the three things you should do, Falk said, is stop judging yourself. Stop judging you. Stop sitting down beating up yourself. I'm not trying to get you to, to, to be mean to yourself. I'm not trying to get you to look at these areas of your life where you've been willfully blind and just beat yourself down. Sometimes you didn't know any better. Sometimes you didn't have faith to do better. Let me say it again. Sometimes you did not have faith to do better. But I need you to stop judging yourself. I can be really hard on Ricky. That's me. I can be hard on my clothing. I can be hard on my look. I can be hard in my exercises. Am my weight right? Am I, am I, you know, I can, get, I can get my money. I can get hard on how I present. Did I do well? I can spend a lot of time judging me. And I want to tell you, see, up front, this sermon is not about that. So the first thing he says is stop judging yourself. Secondly, take your aspirations and break them down into tiny behaviors, he says. Take, take your life and break it down into tiny, small behaviors. What can I do to make it better? What can I do to see better so that I'm not willfully blind? Small steps I can take, maybe read more, maybe listen longer, maybe not get so angry. What, what can I do to adjust how I respond? Tiny little habits, it's a really wonderful concept. And thirdly, embrace mistakes and discover and use them to move forward. When you see something wrong in your life, go, okay, that's not right. Okay, I, I made a mistake. I, I, I made a judgment that wasn't right. There's something about being able to embrace that. And then I want you to understand this. Once you do that, everything changes. Now I want to do something I wasn't planning on doing because I think I want to make sure I'm going to look something up for you real quick so you can just pretend I didn't do this because I think this is this important for you.
okay? I want to make sure that I show you something that I think, yeah, it's a book that I want to show you. The staff will put it up later. It's a book that I want you to see. It's called Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg. The quote I just was um, used was a from this book, Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg. This guy, when he wrote this, and I, I, I put the quote in, in my notes because I was so impressed that he said, sometimes in life, you have been blind and you've been out of the sink, out of sync. And when you want to change all that, you need to just develop tiny habits, the small habits to change your life. Stop judging yourself. Stop viewing yourself as the problem. Don't always think it's you. I just love this quote. I'm going to say it one more time. We're not the problem. Our approach to change is. You're, you're not as bad as you say you are. Maybe you've been blind and maybe you've been willfully blind. But hear him again. We're not the problem. Our approach is. That's the problem. It's a design flaw in us, not a personal flaw. The way we were taught as children, the way we were raised in our culture. In order to design successfully, habits change your behavior. Habits change your behavior. There it is. That's a quote for you. I want you to think about this. Habits change your behavior. One more time. Habits change your behavior. And so you might go, well, Pastor, thank you for the talk. I, I get it. I've been willfully blind. You're right. So what do I do to change it? You got to have a courageous conversation. I want to show you that next time. There's a time when you have to have a courageous conversation with yourself and you have to have a courageous conversation with those around you. And you have to stop yourself and say, I get it. I hear. I'm clear. I wish I could somehow tell you that my life was without challenge. I wish there were not moments when I was a bit confused myself. I wish I could tell you that there was never a time when I couldn't see. I, I, that I could see everything. I, but there are moments when I can't see. There are moments when I hurt too. There are moments when I'm confused. There are moments when I'm fighting for clarity. But I've learned that if I could just stop blaming me for a minute, if I can just be courageous and focused and have maybe a courageous conversation, sometime with me. And that's what we're going to talk about next time. In Galatians chapter 2, we're going to talk about a courageous conversation that changed everything. And I believe it can change everything for you. There are times in your life you need to have a conversation with yourself that, that gives you an opportunity to see things differently. But one thing I've learned, and I'm going to leave you with this, I've learned that in, in order for me to do well, I need to have friends in my life that I can have courageous conversations with. People who challenge my thinking. People who inspire me to, to, to look at things another way. What have you been blind to? What have you refused to see? Some of you have paid the price we talked about today. You've seen destruction in your life. You've seen things happen simply because you would not look at it. But now you do see. So let me pray for you. Father, let this be a moment when their eyes open and they see and they allow you to deconstruct things. They allow you to come in their lives and take things apart and show them where they went wrong. And they're willing to open their hearts and their minds. But while doing that, they won't sit there and just judge themselves into a hole. They won't allow themselves to become frustrated and lose, lose sight of what you call them to a better life. They're going to just start working some tiny habits, small steps in the right direction. And it started today with this small step of listening to this message. These few minutes just have begun to launch in them a new way of thought 
Let this be a healing moment for them. And Father, I thank you and praise you. And if there's anybody listening who doesn't know your Savior, who's never given Christ you their life, let this be the moment that they say, Jesus, I hear you. I want to surrender my life to you. I want a new beginning. And I want to see. I'm tired of paying the price tag for ignoring what I see. Let this be a breakthrough moment. And I give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with me and thank you for praying with me today. If you prayed that prayer just now and you said, hey, Pastor Rick, I wanted to give my life to Christ, right there, if you're watching online where there's an option for you to click on and say, I, I raised my hand, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to send you some information to help you start your life with Christ. If you want to type in the chat and say, hey, Pastor, I prayed with you today, I want to give my life to Christ, type your name in the chat, chat there or just say, I raised my hand and the staff will send you something. Be happy to help you start your life with Christ. Remember, you can get past where you are, but you have to look at what you really see and not lie to yourself. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. It's been a fun time. I care about you, and I'll see you next time right here with me, Pastor Rick. Bye-bye. Well, I pray that what you heard today blessed you and lifted your life. I want to encourage you to let me pray with you right now. And may you deconstruct some things in your life, pull them apart, look at the pieces and say, this didn't work, that didn't work. And now let me make sure that I do something to turn that around. Have I been perverted? Have I been turned? What's happened to me? Why am I in this place? This is a time for you to say, now I see. And I saw the price tag, or I see the price tag rather, for what I ignored and now I don't want to pay it anymore. Let's pray this prayer. Lord, I pray for those who see the light now. They went in a direction that was wrong, but now they see the direction they need to go in. Bring healing, blessing, and grace into their life. May they never be the same, and may they open their hearts to a new day and a new beginning in Jesus' name. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. Thanks for being with us today. I pray I see you next time right here with me on demand. I'm a big fan of this thing. I'm telling you what, word of God in your hand. If you liked it, link it, send it to a friend so they can see too. See you next time. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Pastor Rick. I hope you have enjoyed listening to our messages. I want you to like and share and subscribe. We appreciate you being with us today and help us share the word. Remember, you get to be a part of this. Thank you for being on the team.